0: Well, Robert, I, f- I, I mean, I will admit to your audience that um, before Bitcoin, I really lived in a place of fear. Mm. I was fearful that, I, I'll i just say it, like I've always had the fear, or for a long time had the fear that I will wind up living under a bridge.
1: Mm.
0: I feel like nothing is secure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I feel like we are all one step away from being homeless, mm-hmm. right? I feel so lucky. To be here i feel so lucky to be an american uh-huh. and it is just pure effing luck yeah that i was born here and right. i had parents right. and i got to go to college or got to live in a house or got to right. that is luck and yeah. so that gratitude for my luck it's like it's it it's humbling and it really makes me want to project this um like, I, I feel like I'm here to serve other people. Yeah. I feel like I was put here on earth to serve others. Right. And I try to approach my work that, I, I do approach my work that mm-hmm. way. Um, I want to interact with folks and figure out how I help them win.
1: Yeah, right? and that's why you work for Bitcoin. And that's why I work for Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: um, and when you have Bitcoin, when you figure it out, and when you begin to store your energy in Bitcoin, right and you can use the word wealth but really wealth is just energy mm-hmm. when you begin to store your energy in bitcoin i mean that feeling of i'm going to live under a bridge it's gone
1: Yeah. hey everybody welcome to the what is money show i am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what is possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to Wolf. NYC.com today to apply for the program or learn more. Again, that is WolfNYC.com. Lisa Huff, welcome to the What is Money Show.
0: Thank you, Robert Breedlove. Happy to be on the What is Money Show.
1: <laughs> it's great to have you here. I'm a uh, fan. Thank you so much. Um, we met originally in, what was it? LA. Pacific Bitcoin, right? Pacific
0: Bitcoin. That's right. Fantastic event.
1: That was a very fun moment. I think it was your your daughter was with you.
0: She was with me.
1: And we had an impromptu master's lecture from Mr. Sailor. Uh, yes. I think she asked him some question and he elaborated for a long time. He had a crowd, a small crowd gathered to hear him elaborate on the answer.
0: So what happened was Terrence Yang at SWAN, Ella and I were standing out listening to something, you know, the, um, incredible speakers. and. Yeah. Terrence came up and said, hey, would you guys like to step backstage for a minute? I'll show you around. And we went backstage, and there was really no one there. Mm-hmm. And then Michael sort of drifted in. And I can't remember if you were with him or you guys sort of drifted in at I the same time. I was drifting in around the same time, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Eric Kaysen was around. Yeah. And I think Tomer drifted over. Yeah. Um, so we meet Michael. And I said, oh, and by the way, um, Ella is proposing a Bitcoin focused major in independent study at her college. And that's when yeah. the fire just started <laughs> coming out. Yeah. Let me tell you how you do it. Yeah. And if you remember, it was like this 30-minute and I and it was 30 minutes because yeah. one panel started, those guys went on stage. Yeah. They did their spiel. They came back and we were all still standing there. Yeah. And he was just like, Spitting out all this wisdom, right? Yes. It's a monetary engineering program. You need to pitch it this way. This is what needs to be included. I mean, it was incredible. So generous.
1: Yeah. And every time I'm around Mr. Saylor, it seems to be like that. And the guy's just a fountain of wisdom, new ideas. Wow. It's incredible.
0: Well, he was so kind. Yeah. Right. To look at a college student and say, may I offer some suggestions or thoughts? Yeah. I mean, she's really taken that and, um, uh, it, yeah. So she's facing a battle right now. Not a battle, but she's facing a lot of opposition at her school, right. um, an Ivy League school, not to dox Cornell, but I yeah. mean, um, they told her it was a very narrow focus. Right. Narrow, Bitcoin.
1: Seems to be the typical attitude from academia towards Bitcoin, right, it's the same thing Lowry's dealing with and presenting his thesis. Right. Um, I don't know. I think that that's a little bit more telling, actually, that there's such a refusal to look at this thing. Uh, I think it's more telling about academia.
0: I guess, but but you're looking into the eyes of someone, right? Ella, who sees something, and if if they can't if they can't see her vision with her or at Mm -hmm. least support her vision then why offer an independent study right Right. they offer independent studies they they actually really encourage independent studies um but on things that are so esoteric or removed but not too (laughs) independent um maybe not as controversial it's i don't know if you look at some of these ivy league schools you know where AI was created or this was created or that was created like that idea had to be birthed somewhere sure right and it probably was birthed with a student not with a faculty Mm -hmm. I mean I don't know but that would be my guess right innovation has to come from someone who allowed themselves to have the thought
1: right and it's people pursuing these interests that it's what gives you the motivation to pursue it so hard right so if you don't if you try to I guess, prevent students from doing that, it seems very short-sighted and self-defeating in my estimation, well, but, it, but it's not, it can't be a coincidence that academia, a lot of Ivy League, but I think almost across the board, has been uh, resistant to the idea of Bitcoin, no matter what it is, like what, whatever you're talking about, know, Bitcoin's a lot of funds to a lot of people, but no matter which aspect is being approached, academia seems to push it away. I don't know what that means exactly, but certainly is telling in my estimation
0: so you and i see that it's really to me hopeful that there are students that see it Mm -hmm. i mean ella's not the only one um certainly around the country there's a um there's a fantastic professor at texas a and m and his classes are full Mm -hmm. there are classes elsewhere and their classes are full um but for ella specifically it's you know mom i can't I can't go sit in an economics class. Like I already know the answer, Mm -hmm. right? Like I I just, it's all about how am I going to spend my own energy, Mm -hmm. right? Our energy is valuable and why go waste it on something that we know is broken, Yes, right? It's like studying a medical cure where we've already had an advance in another field. Why are we going to study bloodletting? We know that's not the answer. Right.
1: Right. (laughs) It's a great point. Um, we should tell the audio listeners we're sitting here live uh, in person in Jackson Hole. Uh, we're for the Bitcoin Ski Summit. We're having a real live fireside chat. There's we an are. actual fire with a lot of large logs burning beside us. So if you hear any snap, crackle, or pop, that's what that is. Um, and we should jump into your background a little bit. Sure. So you are currently the head of business development at Level Field. Yes. Um, and your background is in energy markets. Uh, also consumer goods, it looks like. So maybe you could just give us a quick background on yourself and how you got into this space and how you got into Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I work I work with Level Field Financial. I joined them in July. Um, previous to that, I was with Unchained Capital, some of our favorite folks. Mm-hmm. And really, I, I, I'm gonna get in trouble with our compliance gentlemen. I feel like I work for Bitcoin. <laughs> and my goal is to promote adoption of Bitcoin. Yeah. And at Level Field, we aim to level the playing field, allow people to access oh, digital yeah. assets, secure digital assets, and have financial services around digital assets. And I'm not crazy about the term digital assets, but the regulators prefer it. Um, that, I guess that's what, it, what they are to me. That means it's a photo on my phone. Yeah. Um I actually redid my estate plan because and, and by the way, everybody should do their estate plan. Mm. Um because your estate, a typical estate plan does not cover um what we know as uh something that is secured by uh, you know, that's on the blockchain, that's mm. cryptographic, that's you know, it, it doesn't discuss right. Bitcoin. But um side note. So so we really aim to to be the bridge. Mm. And um yeah, so so that adoption when I was at Unchained, what I learned is that while I believe and you believe that securing your own private keys is not a difficult thing to undertake. Mm-hmm. Many people, when you say to them, "All right, in order to buy and secure your Bitcoin safely, uh-huh. um, you need to, you know secure your own private keys, It's like instantly they're afraid and they back away. Yeah. I think as time goes on, People will realize that those 12 words should not be intimidating. Right. Right. It's fewer words than the Lord's Prayer.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: It's fewer words than the Pledge of Allegiance.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: If your life depended on it, you could memorize 12 words, which yeah. I would say that all of our lives depend on how we secure our our financial
1: resources, yes. right?
0: How we secure our future, how we secure right. our energy for the future.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So working at Unchained. I loved loved it, loved them, do love them, still have open lines of communication with the whole team. Um, But Level Field, our our custody solution is an IBM solution that was developed by IBM and the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. It is how um, top national secrets are secured. Mm. And... When you secure your Bitcoin on in, in our deep cold storage, we will give you an address on the blockchain so that you can go verify that your asset is sitting there. Gotcha. Right. So in light of the recent debacle um, with some of our uh, some of the folks in our space, uh, Sam, mm-hmm. you know he they had like a million dollars of Bitcoin on their balance sheet, and they had sold, I don't know. 80 million, 800 million, I forget what the number is, but they had no Bitcoin essentially. Right. So if you custody with us, you can go look at your Bitcoin. That's good. Yeah, so if that helps people take the next step, uh-huh. to me, that's that's an endeavor worth taking. I think eventually everybody holds their own keys. It's not hard um, and, we, and we will help you. We will encourage you. I mean, certainly you can take, buy your Bitcoin with us and, and yeah. secure it yourself,
1: great. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. It's the whole with great power comes great responsibility thing that it's intimidating for people. And I've, you know, like Unchained, these other places where you can buy Bitcoin secure, it, but you can also withdraw. That seems to be kind of a necessary step in a lot of people's Bitcoin journey. Not everyone's ready to just jump in with both feet and hold their own keys. But to your point, you can't really realize the value proposition of Bitcoin without holding your own keys. So we have to get people there. (laughs) And I like that you say you work for Bitcoin because that's, as I was telling you offline, that's something I've often also said. Um, It's a nice clarifying way to look at your professional life. Like if a deal is not serving the purpose of orange pilling people, for me, it's like it doesn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. even if it makes dollars, it doesn't make sense, so to speak. So it's interesting you say that. Um so you said you have Enron, Southern Company, Procter and Gamble.
0: No, no Procter and Gamble.
1: Oh, sorry, PG and E.
0: Oh, Pacific Gas and Electric.
1: Sorry about that. That's on yeah. me. And you said you and I didn't even know what this meant, but uh a three trillion cubic Salt dome storage.
0: Yes. Well, I'll t- so I'll I'll just paint the picture. Okay, please. Yeah. Um. So I I graduated from college with a degree in biology, and this was like back in the day when you took an envelope, an eight and a half by eleven envelope. You know, you mm-hmm. printed off your resume, you mailed it in. Mm-hmm. Um. So I answered an ad in the Houston Chronicle for a position at um, which is which was Solomon Brothers, right? It just said like didn't say saw it didn't say the name, but um, so I mail it into this P.O. box. It turns out it's Solomon Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I get hired. They hire two people at the same time. And I become an analyst on their heavy fuels desk. So in Houston, um, the division of Solomon that I worked for was Fibro Energy. So it was this enormous, impressive, um, it was larger than a football field uh, trading floor. So just mm. rows, rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of desks and i was instantly hooked right it's like you're an adrenaline junkie Mm. then you love a trading floor (laughs) right super dynamic you have to be able to make a decision quickly you have to be able to take a lot of information um and and know where to look for information that other people don't have Mm -hmm. it's it's really commodity trading is information gathering Mm. and i think that's why i feel very frustrated in the in the Crypto space when people tell me that they trade crypto.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because what the image that pops into my mind is the E trade baby commercial where the kid is like, oh, buy, yeah. buy, 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 right. buy, sell, 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 <laughs> Right? Like that's not information gathering. That's not risk management. Right. Commodity traders are risk managers. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I spent a career uh, in, in the commodity trading space and just, it, I thought it was. The greatest career of all time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the most exciting. Uh, the The work was spectacular. The challenge was spectacular. You know, you wake up and and you're like addicted to what the weather says because right. just a degree or two shift in the weather changes demand right all over the world, like all, all over, over the U.S. The, right. And so um, when you're arbitraging storage, uh, most uh, the majority of storage is in the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, gas gets produced, comes in off the Gulf, or it's um, produced somewhere along the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. oil and gas. Um, those storage facilities are typically, you know, sitting somewhere in Texas or Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're basically looking for arbitrage opportunities to move from, uh, so you have pipeline capacity that you've often rented. So pipeline capacity trades like airplane seats, hmm. right? You're reserving space on a pipeline so that you can move a fuel. Right. And the end source is your power generation site. And so like at PG&E, we had 4,500 megawatts Mm -hmm. on the East Coast. And a lot of, actually, I think all of those um, assets were in highly, highly constrained pipeline areas. Mm -hmm. So pipelines along the Gulf Coast, Houston Ship Channel, Henry Hub, those are very big pipelines. Mm -hmm. Um, When you get up into the Upper East Coast, New York, um, Pennsylvania you're on these little tiny um, the pipeline that I traded um, I mean I traded all of them but but one of them that we really made a market in because we had those power generation assets and it allowed us to make markets was Algonquin mm-hmm. and they called that that and, and Transco Zone 6 which was up in New York I mean those those were like widow maker pipelines because mm-hmm. you're at the mercy of whoever has assets mm-hmm. right so if if you've if you've miscalculated load, mm-hmm. or if the weather shifts, then you really are facing, um, you're here at the mercy of, of who you know in the industry that you can call and go, hey, um, so I'm 5,000 a day short here. Can I have, right? Uh, and so we were in that position of, of really being market makers mm-hmm. in, in these areas, which was fun, yeah. right? And then that's commodity trading, yeah. really. I mean, commodity trading is not betting whether the number gets higher or low, goes higher or lower. Right, it's not about a long or a short. It's information gathering and it's utilization of assets, utilization of hard assets.
1: Right. So true like risk management, right? True your skin, risk management. Your skin is in the game and if you make a wrong call, you suffer. <laughs>
0: yeah, you just, the goal is just to make more good decisions than bad decisions.
1: Yes, makes sense.
0: Right, and then really remove your ego.
1: Yeah, which is, yes.
0: Right. Which is like, when you think about commodity traders and ego, you're like, oh, that's hard. You
1: hear that a lot in like poker traders because it's the emotions or the over-conviction in your own model that can blind you to the realities of the world. And so you, it seems to be that humility is like a key ingredient to successful trading, gambling, all these other things.
0: Well, I think that's right. And you know, probably the most famous natural gas trader of all time, John Arnold, um, you know, I mean, he uh, just like went down and uh, he didn't go down. I mean, he he left um, at this like the pinnacle of glory mm. because he got in a, um, a, a real battle with a counterparty. Mm. And when you looked at those two counterparties, I won't say the other one's name, but when you look at those two counterparties, you know, John um, was super humble mm. always and quiet. And you could tell he was just thinking, mm-hmm. and this other counterparty was this huge personality, huh. full of ego and testosterone and mm-hmm. all of these things, and that eventually like blew him up to the tune of yeah. I think like almost a billion dollars. Wow! Um, so a funny story, and then I'm sorry I'm sort of sidetracking you, That's but um, when I first started at Enron, uh, so I left Solomon Brothers, uh, I left Fibro, which was the division of Solomon, and. Went to Enron, and when I got there, I was on the risk management desk. And my so my very first job, very first day, they take me um, over to the traders' desks because the risk managers are basically entering um, the trades into the system and producing P L and um, looking at value at risk and mm-hmm. you know meeting with um, you know they're like the the heavy duty um, risk guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to make sure that all of the, the the corporate risk is in line, which is funny now, thinking back to Enron. But um, So they take me over to introduce me to the Houston Ship Channel mm-hmm. traders. There are two of them. And it was a gentleman named Jim Schwimmer. He was the senior trader. So, right, so this is physical gas mm-hmm. trading on the Houston Ship Channel. And John Arnold was the junior trader. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the gas world, this probably doesn't mean anything to you. But I mean, he is a self-made, I think he's, a, I know he's a billionaire. Humble then, humble today, mm. right? It's just been, um, anyway, it was great. It was a ph- phenomenal career. And I never thought I'd have another like it.
1: Yeah, and now you've come into Bitcoin. <laughs> We're, we, I was had Jeff Booth in this seat just yesterday and he was talking about same thing like the importance of humility and how bitcoin seems to be like an ego destroyer you know his firm is ego death capital i know
0: i had dinner with he and andy last night yeah and so jeff's it, wife kelly
1: um i guess that's another positive about bitcoin is that it seems to have this at least puts people's ego in check right uh, everyone that's tried to co-opt bitcoin or game it or make the new bitcoin whatever um they get utterly humbled so um you talk about Bitcoin as or Bitcoin mining as a tool for molecule monetization. Yes, I think that's a term you said you coined um, throughout the energy supply chain. Can you expand upon that? What do you mean by molecule monetization?
0: Yeah, sure. So you've got energy companies that you know have significant infrastructure investment deploying capital um, really. Uh, trying to figure out how to how to most effectively either bring molecules out of the ground, move molecules, mm-hmm. um, and so what we often hear uh, is the talk about how Bitcoin miners can help with flare gas mitigation, mm-hmm. and I think it's a hugely interesting piece of what's happening in our ecosystem. Um, and when we think of flared gas, we often think about West Texas and you see photos and you know they have the this pipe coming out of the ground and then there's this flare mm-hmm. up here um and i'm i've gotten to be close with a lot of the bitcoin miners they're they're mostly in a lot of them are in houston um a mm. lot of them have been in the oil business they're very humble mm. um they're a humble group of guys they're hardworking. Um, many of them have worked offshore on rigs or in the field right they're they're definitely not crypto mm-hmm. people and um, one of the teams that I've gotten to be close with is the Giga energy team. And when I first got, was getting to know them, you know, they're talking about flared gas and um, th- this work that they're doing with Bitcoin miners. So they're basically going out into the field. They're dropping shipping containers down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're putting uh, refurbished Caterpillar generators. Like they, they source them all over the US, probably all over the world. Um, but the, I, I just was at their workshop a week ago and they had, they bought two 40 year old generators out of a hospital in Chicago and GIGA is based in Buna, Texas, right? So kind of like heart of America mm-hmm. um, oil field service. And that's because that's where the great mechanics are for these, huh. uh, for these machines. And, um, so anyway, so, they, so you would take a, a generator, a box, you'd take the computers, right, the ASICs, and you would take that flared gas, convert the flared gas into electricity, you mine Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. What I've really come to understand, though, is that a company like Giga has the potential not really to be a Bitcoin miner, right? They're a power generator mm-hmm. that's mining Bitcoin. Hmm right, they can go anywhere in the world where there's a power source that's cheap mm-hmm. and, and create power for people. And there are so, you know this, there are so many opportunities around the world where there's untapped power mm-hmm. or, or where, there's, you know, where there's flared gas. Yeah. Um, you know, I know of a couple of projects that are happening in pristine parts of the world where you could not you would not even if you if I said the name of where this was, you would not, in your wildest dreams, think that there's flaring happening. Huh. but um there's you know they' there are oil- rich countries, and oil is very easy to transport. Um, you can build pipelines. it can you know go up elevation and go down elevation. Mm-hmm. Gas is much harder to transport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pressurize the pipeline. Gotcha. And so if you have elevation changes or, or many other um, geographical challenges, that becomes hard. Right. So a company like Giga can come in and again drop Bitcoin miners down and instead of uh, that sovereign right. flaring gas, right, they can put that money in their pocket right. or at least eliminate that flare. right. So each project, and I imagine this is the same with all Bitcoin miners, they're looking at each project and talking to their counterparty, the, the power, the, the molecule owner. Yeah, yeah. And constructing a deal that's beneficial. Yeah. And and it allows everybody to win, right? It takes bad stuff out of the air. Right. Um, the sovereign or the molecule owner wins.
1: They make more money.
0: Right. And the Bitcoin miners win.
1: Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. It looks like a mini iPhone, a little touchscreen and camera on it. Uh, The device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS, it's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, Like I said, it's got a high-res 3-inch touchscreen, it's got a camera for air gapping the wallet, Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility, and it's really a, a brand new UI, UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code Bitcoin23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Leden. Leden lets you do more with your digital assets. For instance, Ledin offers a B2X loan product that lets you leverage your existing Bitcoin to buy even more Bitcoin. Or you can also get traditional Bitcoin collateralized US dollar loans through Ledin as well. Ledin also offers both Bitcoin and USDC denominated savings accounts, letting you generate yield on your digital assets. Recently, Leden has launched a Bitcoin mortgage product as well that lets you use Bitcoin to buy a home or finance one that you already own. So go to Leden.io. that's L-E-D-N dot today to sign up. How long is it going to take for energy producers to realize how much money they're leaving on the table by ignoring Bitcoin mining?
0: Yeah, so I spend a lot of time, probably the bulk of my time meeting with energy teams. and. Be- Prior to working at Unchained, I had a consulting business um, just teaching Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of my, fr- I mean, I've lived in Houston my whole life. I was in the energy business. Um, but There's kind of my friend group, mm-hmm. right? And they're very curious about Bitcoin. And they're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in the last month I've met with the largest independent producer in the Gulf of Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. So they've got rigs all over the Gulf they have more gas than they can use on the rig and they flare it.
1: And just for the audience, that quite literally means they're burning the energy produced for nothing, right? It's just flaring it off.
0: They just lit money on
1: fire, lit money on fire. And by plugging a Bitcoin miner there, you could turn that burned money into money in your pocket. Correct. Yeah.
0: Right. So they're beginning to realize that it's another commodity, Yeah. right? It's, that hash rate, that that Bitcoin rate, that's the commodity. Yeah, and these guys are commodity experts, mm-hmm. and they're they're infrastructure experts. And you know, no matter what picture you paint um, of the roughnecks that work on those rigs, yeah. those people are hardworking, and they are smart, and they yeah. are technically capable. Yeah, and they are figuring it out. So that's just one example, right? So it's. It's the offshore guys. Is
1: that the, so that's the hang up then is the realization that Bitcoin is another commodity where, because it seems like when I, and I've talked to way less people in this space than you, but the few that I have just tend to conflate FTX with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, if FTX went away, how do I know Bitcoin's not going to go away? And you're just like, as a Bitcoiner, you're banging your head against the wall. Is that the problem? They're just, they don't understand or they're, it's dawning on them that Bitcoin is something different than all of the other crypto space, crypto exchanges, et cetera.
0: I think that's wholly the problem. Yeah. Right, they have not, I think step one, Robert, with with explaining Bitcoin to someone, is that that someone needs to, and I always ask people, please agree with me that Bitcoin is knowable, right? Mm. I feel very firmly that if I can understand Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. anyone can understand
1: Bitcoin. Yes.
0: Right? Like I joke that my grades weren't great in college yet. I like got out and have had a just banger of a life and banger of a career.
1: Yeah
0: um, because I've found things that are hyper interesting to me. Yeah. And I feel like if people will just dig into Bitcoin, there's so many aspects so to it, right?. Yeah. Um, like find your way in because this is the most hopeful, exciting, thing that you can possibly think about. Everyone in the Bitcoin space would agree, yes. right? And and like there's room for more come into the space. So yeah, yeah. so I think people don't allow themselves to know about it. They yeah. do conflate it with, um, you know, my least favorite C word, crypto. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, you and I were talking before, a, another issue that I see is, and this is specific to some other energy executives, Um, who are slowly coming around um you know let's be honest like those teams are leaders Mm -hmm. right and they are they are winners and they are high achievers and there is a lot of research that shows that if you didn't first discover something Mm. then you won't adopt it right right? a first adopter wants to be a first adopter Mm. there's a really interesting study at mit i think the professor's name was christian castellani and it goes into that that if you first don't find something if someone else finds something and shows it to you so that's ego it's totally ego yeah but ego aside from a power producer's point of view right so there's a a very large power producer that sits in houston um many i mean but um, these these guys so right so they're they're using natural gas to generate power and it's it's being sent to ERCOT mm-hmm. the Texas grid that everybody's heard so much about mm-hmm. that's actually so brittle and frail mm-hmm. that Bitcoin is helping fix Bitcoin will help um, fortify that system yeah. but these power producers pay ERCOT to take power some of the time, a non-zero percent of the time. Now
1: that that is especially mind-blowing to me that there are times when energy producers are paying counterparties to sell their power to them. Right. So it's like a negative price almost.
0: Yes. Well, it's it's more cost-effective for them to do that than for them to shut off, right? For them to shut down. Right. So, so whether <laughs> so you so you're a, a natural gas um power plant. Yeah. Right. So it's just more cost efficient for you to just pay ERCOT because I don't I don't know today what that is. Right. It's 2% or 4% of the time, but it's yeah. a non-0% of the time. Right. And it's just it's just better. Same thing with um
1: And Bitcoin could be buying that instead. Well, they should be. Yeah.
0: Right? Like either Drop miners on site, you definitely, if you run a power plant, you definitely have people that are technically skilled mm-hmm. and can figure out how to plug these computers in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm figuring out how to plug one in myself, so it's it clearly can't be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, or or you get to a, a firm that's um, like Entergy, right, a utility that has all these wind turbines. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I mean, it's there's times when the grid can't take
1: mm-hmm
0: their their generation and so it it from a maintenance perspective, they're much better off. In fact, this has been researched. Um, I'm in touch with a a guy um, young guy who doesn't work in Bitcoin who wants to come work in Bitcoin and he he did a, a really academic study on the effect Bitcoin mining could have on um, wind turbine efficiency mm. because turning them off and turning them back on it's like um, a few years ago I was like, I guess running a bunch of errands or something in my mm-hmm. car and I had to replace my battery after a year. And my service advisor, super great guy, was like, Yeah, because you start and stop all day long and that's way more mm-hmm. wear on your battery right. than if you just drive all day long. Yeah. Well it's the same with these turbines. Right. So, you know, don't turn your turbine off, mine Bitcoin.
1: Right. Yeah. It's the the starting and stopping car. These are like frictional costs on the total operating model and so bitcoin just lets you never you can you never need to curtail maybe not never but you can curtail or turn off a lot less often if you just sell those molecules into the bitcoin network
0: right you're monetizing every molecule
1: yeah it's quite the no-brainer that's why i'm so (laughs) surprised it's taken energy producers this long but i guess it is just this it's kind of this basic bitcoin education piece that's just not there yet right bitcoin's new enough to where people still conflate it with crypto exchanges and and other things that clearly aren't Bitcoin.
0: Okay, so again, back to the MIT study. There are folks running these energy companies, these leaders, these innovators, these winners, Mm -hmm. right? Who may have been told about Bitcoin, back in 2011 or 2012. In fact, I know they were. And I know there's an instance where, um, you know, one of their kind of social groups, somebody came into the social group and said, 2011, look, I don't even know what this is, but we all need to buy $1,000 of it. Uh Everybody in here, we should all just buy $1,000 Bitcoin in 2011. And no one did, not even the guy that said, everybody should buy $1,000 of Bitcoin. Right. So again, if you're not an early adopter and you have this this leader winner innovator mentality,
1: and ego is really
0: a problem. Like you, you're getting in your own way.
1: That is like sounds like the source of at least a source of Bitcoin derangement syndrome. Yeah, if I heard people, that for
0: the first time this week.
1: Yeah. If people don't get it on their own terms, maybe, then they just kind of refuse to get it at all. Right. Um, but the the opportunity cost of that I would argue egoic behavior is compounding, obviously, as Bitcoin number go up. So uh, I guess all of this grounds out in that very popular saying now that everyone gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve.
0: Yeah, and if I can just give you one more example, and I thank you very much for having me because i mm. i I really hope that we'll reach some energy firms, yeah, um and i I hope that this resonates with folks and they can take it back and and really think about it. Um, as Bitcoin miners, these guys are already doing this, but um, the larger, the broader ecosystem and energy, um, if we think about, um, so when, when natural gas moves, right? So natural gas comes out of the ground with oil and often um, it has to be cleaned up, mm-hmm. right? So you, you want to have it um, as clean as possible, mm-hmm. as dry as possible. Um, so they separate the liquids. Mm-hmm. So those processing plants or gathering plants are also places where Bitcoin could be used as a tool, because they also have, like any plant, they have planned and unplanned maintenance. And when they have planned and unplanned maintenance, and there's gas coming into their facility, they go back to um, the the molecule owner and they say, you know, we're going to be shut down for today or mm-hmm. tomorrow or for two weeks or in two weeks. So that molecule owner has the ability in some cases to divert to a different pipeline, right? To divert to a different place, or maybe they can store it, but sometimes they can't. Mm -hmm. So what happens is they end up shutting production in. Well, what if those processing or gathering plants had Bitcoin miners on site Mm -hmm. and Bitcoin mining was just used as a tool so that the operation could keep running. Mm -hmm. You can repair your plant over here. And then the gas will keep flowing mm-hmm. and we'll mine Bitcoin. And then, you know, we'll look at the economics again. I mean, mm-hmm. when when Bitcoin goes to $250,000, I'm, I'm so excited. Um, it, it's going to be just mind-blowing to watch the economics at play uh, as the price goes yeah. higher.
1: That, so that's another good point because I've thought about this a lot, how much the price plays into the psychology of Bitcoin adoption. It seems to me like... The reputation of Bitcoin changed significantly when it broke $1,000. It changed significantly again at $10,000. And I can't help but think, you know, the, what these numbers are arbitrary, obviously they're orders of magnitude, but there's something about humans, right? When you move from seven figures to eight figures or nine figures, like we have this reaction to it. So I'm, I'm curious if when we break $100,000 Bitcoin price, what type of, psychological reaction we're going to see across the world. It seems to me people that have been resistant to it are going to start to capitulate at that point. <laughs> You're telling me one of these things is worth $100,000 each. Um, hopefully people would set aside any of their bias against Bitcoin at that point and just start, start to take it seriously. It sounds silly like that would be the thing, but number go up is the thing that drew basically everyone in, including myself. I mean, I know very few people that weren't drawn in by number go up right? The price is the most, the price is the instrument that commands the most attention in the world. And the Bitcoin price has certainly proven that. Uh, What do you think about the psychological implications of of the Bitcoin price?
0: Yeah, so when I first started looking at Bitcoin, um, I guess in 2018, I was really trying to tap my data sources, right? So I was reaching out to like friends that were wealth managers, like mm-hmm. I guess looking for someone else to show me the way. Mm-hmm. And what I found out is that nobody really knew anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one wealth manager in particular, I said, hey, um, Bob, do, do you know anything about Bitcoin? Are you buying Bitcoin for your clients? And I mean, he has like super mega high net worth clients. Mm-hmm. And he, start, he laughed at me. He was like, Lisa, ha, 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 I try not to lose money for my clients, right? And I'm not quite sure what the price was. I think it was like 17,000. I remember yeah. it like being in the mid-teens Yeah. Um, and then it hit 35,000 and he called me and he was like, can we have lunch? Can we talk about Bitcoin? <laughs> Same exact phenomenon when Bitcoin went to 64,000 or 69,000, yeah. I had more people coming out of the woodwork. Oh yeah. Can we talk about Bitcoin again? Yeah. Right. And I, I'm myself, right? Like I bought plenty of Bitcoin in the 60s. Yeah. And I'm actually super proud of it because I haven't sold it. Yeah. And I mean, price means nothing to me. Yeah. It's, um, it's a signal to me that the world is waking up. Yeah. Right. Volatility is not risk. Right. And if we look back, I mean, if, if you really look back at the numbers and the history of Bitcoin, Um, a 1% allocation of Bitcoin, since the beginning of Bitcoin, 99% in cash, 1% in Bitcoin. That combination would have outperformed the best performing fund. Yeah. It's, It's a no brainer. It's
1: a weird time in history where such a conservative portfolio construction, like literally all cash, right? If you consider Bitcoin to be cash, which I do, it's 100% cash portfolios outperforming all of these exotic investment strategies.
0: Right, and all these guys that, or women that uh, have Ivy League degrees and yeah. have studied this, and their resume is like hugely impressive, and um, it's like, guys, it just doesn't really have to be this hard. It
1: has no relevance under this paradigm though, right? All your credentials, your education, like unless you're an Austrian economic professor, I don't think there's a lot of relevance to to understanding Bitcoin. You just have to do the work. Maybe that's kind of the ironic thing is there is a proof of work necessary to glean the significance of Bitcoin. But many people have this like semi arrogant, egoic attitude towards it, that they don't even want to look at it or think about it. They don't want to lose money for their clients, as Bob said. And so they never they never start to do the work. To even start to look at Bitcoin, you know, the number a hundred hours is thrown around. Like you need to I don't know, read about it or listen to podcasts for 100 hours before you start to understand mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's a big chunk of time.
0: Is it though? I mean. I mean, there. so so Robert, there are six seasons of The Crown and they're like an hour long or an hour and 20 <laughs> minutes yeah. each. And then there's 12 for, I think there were 20 in the first, like I've watched it. I, I love that show. I, t- I really don't watch TV, but um, when Ella comes home, um, we love to like just sit on the sofa and get, covered up in blankets yeah. and binge um stuff like that we make a list actually she yeah. won't, she doesn't watch any tv either so we make a list whatever but um like, think about the amount of time we waste
1: of course right and
0: i think what bitcoin shows us all is that you know our time is finite uh-huh. and our thought process is finite we know that every thought we have impacts us um so i i kind of had a pivotal moment in my life um, in 2013 where um, I had broken my femur and was really struggling and in a lot of pain and um, just a lot of stuff happening in my life. Like this point of, I need to do something different on the other side Mm -hmm. of my leg healing. Mm -hmm. And I ran across a podcast. There's a woman named Lisa B. Marshall And she mentions a study that was done over the number of good things in your day versus bad things in your day. And basically it said, okay, so every person has, forget the numbers, 200 interactions a day, Mm -hmm. right? So today I woke up at the hotel, um, we called down for uh, room service and said, would you please, um, could we have coffee or whatever? And the guy came, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an interaction. Mm Um, getting out of the taxi to come here, right? That's an interaction, right? Mm. So all of these interactions that we have during the day, we need seven out of 11 of those to be positive
1: mm. for
0: us to get in bed at night and go, wow, that was a great day. Mm. But here's the thing. It's your choice whether an interaction mm. is a good interaction yeah. or a bad interaction. Right. So think about when you're driving, And, you know, I live in Houston and like now everybody from California has moved to Texas and our traffic is just unbelievable.
1: Same in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When I'm on the highway and someone cuts me off or someone is trying to cut me off, my natural reaction now is slow down and like wave them in, Mm. right? Because I know that I win right? if I do that. Like that goes in my good column. Right. It has completely changed my perception of how I'm willing to spend my time and my
1: energy. Mm, That's so good.
0: I I tune out people that are, I'm not negative towards people that are negative. Yes. um, But as Jeff Booth said last night, like those are data points. When people say something something that you disagree with or that that gets you kind of riled up, like it's just a data point. We don't need to allow ourselves to be consumed with something someone puts before us. It's absolutely a choice. And so I I believe that Bitcoin has really allowed many of us, all of us that work or or that study or love Bitcoin to consider these broader implications of energy usage. Yeah. Right, like from our own perspective as well as you know, the, the the energy that we think of when we flip on the light. Yeah,
1: no, that is beautifully said. Now, it was coming up for me, Jeff was coming up for me as you we were saying that too, because he, we had talked about a similar topic yesterday, where like, how do you how do you engage on Twitter without getting activated in these arguments? And he described that kind of Bruce Lee strategy, where you're just like letting these things pass through you, you can observe them as a data point, even if you feel like the anger is rising up inside of you, like that's a data point too. And something about Bitcoin enabling us to value our time and energy in a way we never could before. Right. Like maybe that's contributing to the humility of Bitcoiners. It's like you can just, why would I get upset about this thing? All right? so I can go to bed tonight peacefully if I just wave the guy in on the road. It, it's fascinating, this this continuum between technology and like human attitude, uh, uh, incentives, I guess, reshaping us, it's very fascinating to me. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian Chris Rock.
0: Insurance. You got to have some insurance. You got to. There's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should
1: just call it in case shit. I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? (laughs) So with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. Wasabi lets you use Bitcoin privately while still maintaining full control over your money. Specifically, Wasabi Wallet is an open source, non-custodial wallet with privacy built in by default. By using Wasabi, you're effectively putting the private back in private property. Wasabi Wallet is an easy to use privacy wallet that can support any amount of Bitcoin transactions. So, go to WasabiWallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art wallet software. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Bitcoin Conference 2023. This three-day event will be held May 18th through 20th in Miami Beach. Uh, this is going to be the biggest event of the year, as it always is. And the past two years in Miami have simply been amazing. Uh, Day one's industry day. Days two and three are going to be open to general admission. And I'd say this is a great place to go and network with Bitcoiners or even look for a job. Uh, Just a really all-around great experience. There's a fantastic speaker lineup, including Michael Saylor, Zoltan Pozar, Lynn Alden, Alex Gladstein, many others. And last year, we did a 10 million SATS giveaway for this event, and we're going to do it again this year. So to get discounted tickets and enter for a chance to win 10 million sats, go to b.tc/conference and use code breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today, to sign up and use discount code BreedLove.
0: Well, Robert, i f- I I mean I will admit to your audience that um, before Bitcoin, I really lived in a place of fear. Mm. I was fearful that I I'll just say it like I've always had the fear, or for a long time had the fear that I will wind up living under a bridge. Mm. I feel like nothing is secure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I feel like we are all one step away from being homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel so lucky to be here. I feel so lucky to be an American. Mm-hmm. And it is just pure effing luck. Yeah. That I was born here and right. I had parents right. and I got to go to college or got to live in a house or got to right. That is luck. And right. so that gratitude for my luck, it's like it's, it it's humbling and it really makes me want to project this, um, like I, I feel like I'm here to serve other people. Yeah. I feel like I was put here on earth to serve others. Right. And I try to approach my work that, I, I do approach my work that mm-hmm. way. Um, I want to interact with folks and figure out how I help them win.
1: Yeah, right? and that's why you work for Bitcoin. And that's why I work for Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: um, and when you have Bitcoin, when you figure it out, and when you begin to store your energy in Bitcoin, right and you can use the word wealth but really wealth is just energy Mm -hmm. when you begin to store your energy in bitcoin i mean that feeling of i'm going to live under a bridge it's gone yeah i don't feel that at all anymore it is complete i mean i used to say um to my daughter and she was like not happy at me it's just like oh my gosh i don't you know i'm not sure if i can live past 80. i'm not going to have enough money right like i'm single Mm -hmm. like I mean, I'm working, but mm-hmm. everything's getting more expensive. Yeah. Um, and she's like, Mom. And now I'm like, I'm going to live to be 150. She's like, <laughs> yes, you are. Right? And it, it changes us, yeah. right? It's changed how I eat. Yeah. It changes yeah. just my energy level. I'm like full of energy all the time. And, yeah. But yeah. it's that hope. It's hope that has replaced fear.
1: And it's not anything new in principle right like again life liberty property it's kind of the foundational ethos of what well, was the 1215 magna carta which became the u.s constitution like we know we know what we need to live free and to flourish but we can't seem to construct anything that doesn't end up getting corrupted and betraying that end or betraying those principles so and finally with bitcoin we have something that like it, apparently cannot be corrupted and only serves those principles. So maybe that's why it's just so significant to us, right? It's, it's consuming. I obviously do a build your whole career around it and talk about it 24 seven. Talk about it 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, you mentioned liberty Mm -hmm. and property rights and, um, I've, I've recently in, you know, last year, had a meeting with, um, with an investor and a few members of our team were meeting with a few members of his team. And this is a very high net worth individual. Um, and my team is talking and you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I didn't come from the capital market side of the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's not my forte. Raising money is not what they hired me for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just sort of like this fly on the wall. And the patriarch of this family, after about 15 minutes, um, he looks over at me and he says, you know, you've kind of been quiet. I wanna know what you think about this. Mm. And I really love what we're building at Levelfield because I think that we're enabling folks to touch Bitcoin. We talked mm-hmm. about that. Right. And when people store more of their energy or their wealth in Bitcoin, they need financial services, yeah. right? So they're gonna wanna use um, Bitcoin as collateral so that they can go buy a house, mm-hmm. buy a car. Um, buy a jet ski, go on vacation, go on a ski trip, right? Mm-hmm. So I said to him, you know, all right, I've heard a lot about you. And now I've been sitting with you for 15 minutes. And in these 15 minutes, here's what I've gathered. Here, here, here's all that I, here's my perception. Uh-huh. You've been in the natural resource business your whole life. Wildly successful. You own, I won't dox him an x commodity mine mm-hmm. you own a y commodity mine
1: mm-hmm.
0: you own a ton of real estate in the most pristine areas of the united untouched areas of mm-hmm. the united states you love to hunt you love to fish mm-hmm. you support the national parks you'd rather be outside than anywhere else mm-hmm. you value time with your family over anyone else and your whole life focuses around those things. Mm -hmm. So knowing these things about you, you are aligned with liberty, freedom, and private property. Mm -hmm. And if you are aligned with liberty, freedom, and private property, you are a Bitcoiner. (laughs) That's what he did, he started laughing. And I said, so may I ask you, do you own Bitcoin? What do you think he said?
1: Probably know, yes, how he did.
0: he's yeah, we own Bitcoin,
1: okay, so you
0: right, of course, it's a value alignment, yes, it's not magic internet money, it's not garbage, it's not going away right it when you understand the ethos of Bitcoin, right, and you said so fantastically earlier that say it again about the Constitution uh
1: it's my strong opinion that Bitcoin is more American than the u s Constitution, right, yeah. Same principles, different container, and it's a container that can't be broken as easier, as easily. And we're seeing the U.S. Constitution be broken over the past few years. Right.
0: So yeah. these are the, these are these are easy decisions. Do yeah. I want to own Bitcoin? Yes, I want to own freedom. Yeah. Yes, yes. I want to own liberty.
1: Right. That's amazing. So, how do was he bought into the ethos of Bitcoin prior to you saying that? Yeah. Or did he just own Bitcoin? Oh, he was, okay. Yeah. Well, that's really good to hear because I think I've thought similar things, right? People that are proponents of the American dream, let's say, and private property rights but then decrying Bitcoin. I'm like, you have cognitive dissonance that you don't understand yet. You can't, you can't advocate for the American dream or private property rights and then be bearish Bitcoin. It doesn't reconcile. So I'm glad to hear someone at that level understanding what they own. Because a lot of people, I think, own Bitcoin just, you know, it's the 1% flyer in their portfolio or whatever. Um,
0: So on the private property front, um, I I learned this, I guess, last week. I was writing something, and I I looked it up. Where is the U.S. on the index of private property around the world hmm. so that you can look up by country, and it ranks every country? I told you this before we started, but the U.S. is... Thirteenth. Wow. On the list, I would have I would have thought we would have been like, I don't know, certainly within the top five. Yeah. Right. We don't have
1: full. Yeah, I would have thought number one if I had to guess.
0: I think it's Norway.
1: I I want to look into that to yeah. see how they see what criteria they measure that by.
0: Well, and um, the, the property rights overall. The, the entire index overall has declined by 4% mm. over the last year, I think, or maybe it was 18 months. But yeah. that's terrible. Right. I mean, that's invasive and um, threatening.
1: It's authoritarian.
0: It's authoritarian.
1: And just to like be clear on a couple of things. So the lockdowns, well, that's a violation of private property because you are you own yourself. If someone's gonna tell you that you can't do certain things with yourself, right. that's a restriction of your private property. Um, fiat currency supply inflation, that's a violation of the property rights of savers. So if you're saving in dollars and the central bank is counterfeiting dollars, well then you're having your property violated. So it's it's, it's more than just what we might traditionally think of as, oh, that house is yours? Well, here's a gun, now it's mine. It's not just that. There are, there are these other more systemic and I would say insidious forms. Mm-hmm. Of property right violation taking place around the world um, at an accelerating pace the past couple of years, and I don't know what we can do to stop that without Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure there's anything. I mean, you know, our friend Greg Foss talks about, and many talk about Bitcoin as being insurance against the the fiat debasement, but yeah. really, it's it's insurance against your property rights being removed right or being Mm -hmm. diminished
1: yeah yeah like you said owning freedom or owning liberty it's like if you own this thing that no one can touch yeah well then to a certain extent you are untouchable obviously it's not a force field it's not going to protect you from all physical harm but you do get a lot Mm -hmm. you get a wider set of options when you're holding something that no one can steal from you right and that's very important
0: well, and then you can walk across a border with. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. literally walk across a border. I um I th- have you met Yomi Park?
1: No, we've talked though. You have. Yeah. Did I you sh- interview she's her? She's not been on the show yet, but we've talked oh. offline, yeah. 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 I re- I heard her on Peterson and was almost moved to tears. Like her story's incredible.
0: Her story's incredible. Yeah. So um I was with a um, a group of women couple of weeks ago in Houston, educating about Bitcoin, kind of spent, you know, we spent about two hours mm-hmm. and I brought her name up and one of the women said, oh my gosh, she just spoke at my house in California.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, oh, amazing. Well, then you must know her Bitcoin journey. And she said, no, she never even mentioned Bitcoin one time. Mm-hmm. But this woman basically escapes. she's North Korean, sold into the sex slavery mm-hmm. industry in China and escapes with bitcoin mm-hmm. right she memorizes her 12 words makes her way to new york uh buys a phone downloads a wallet plugs in her seed words all of her wealth
1: well I is, is that I, right i don't even think i knew that part of her story yeah. actually wow i think yeah yeah
0: i think she tells that i think it's online at the um bitcoin conference
1: from a year ago oh okay cuz she was a speaker there yeah yeah interesting i
0: really hope i haven't made this up no i'm sure i haven't i've I watched this
1: yeah um i've got to get her on the show she's you've got to get it's her an incredible show. story um i have but, to ask you about oh, okay. Sorry, no,
0: Go. no no so but i mean you, i i always just think about um when folks leave war-torn countries you know kind of the world war ii image of people evacuating from Germany in all of their clothes, carrying their candlesticks, suitcases are loaded down, Mm -hmm. right? And eventually um, that all becomes so much of a burden that they make it to their new place or they don't make it at all, but they make it wherever they're going with very little. Mm -hmm. Right, with Bitcoin, you have the ability to secure 100% of your wealth or your energy um, with 12 words, That's right? Nobody's taking it from you.
1: The implications are just truly mind-blowing. Like every time, to be able to compress that much energy into something that's, as Sailor always says, dematerialized, right, or intangible, non-corporeal, just pure information, um, it's staggering to think about the cascading effect that's gonna have on the world.
0: Well, right, and, um, you know, Greg Foss's famous example of the $900 trillion in total global assets, Mm -hmm. right? So he talks about how Bitcoin demonetizes other asset groups and people begin to shift allocations. Mm-hmm. But what one step further, where I think it's really just like amazing is that so few people own those assets. So the percentage of people that own those That's $900 right. trillion dollars of assets,
1: yeah,
0: right, is this tiny little percentage. Yeah, And now they have an asset, they have something, they have yes. private property that everyone on earth can own. That's right, yeah. So, you know, Greg's $900 trillion, like where does Bitcoin price go? Well, if we go to 5% allocation, it's $2.14 million, right? 900 trillion, 5% of that's 45 trillion divided by 21 million, right. 2.14, right? Like the number is so much bigger Yeah. because people in North Korea can buy it. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the time frame is, but they will buy it. I, I firmly believe, I know, we know, everybody eventually buys Bitcoin.
1: That's the bet, right? It's like humans cannot stop printing money. Humans cannot stop tyrannizing one another and Bitcoin's a solution to that, right? It lets people that are being tyrannized or having their wealth stolen through inflation, regulation, taxation, gives people an opt-out strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I've kept you a long time, but I have to ask you one last question. You said you've been reading Jason Lowry's book, Soft War, and I would love to just get your takes on that I've also been reading it um what ta- page are you on as I told you offline I cheated and skipped oh
0: that's right you did yeah you...
1: towards the end middle and end like I just I do like a synoptic reading so I go through the table of contents and yeah. see what I want to read about especially since I've talked to Jason for like six episodes on the show I had a pretty good grasp, pretty good grip on his thesis but there were some it's really good it's a really really good book so I had to ask you about your take on it so far
0: yeah, so I'm only on page 48. I think it's almost 400 pages, mm-hmm. a little more than three, th- I don't know, 380 or something. Yeah, and then there's right. the long uh, kind of footnotes. Mm-hmm. And I, too, skipped and I read chapter four where he really talks about. And this is why. Um, it's First of all, it's so easy to read. Mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for it to be an easy read. I am loving it. It takes me a long time to read because I, I flag and yeah. I note, and then i I always have yellow notepads, and I take notes yeah. um, but of a broader perspective, I mean, um, there are a lot of people in my family that are in the military. A lot of my friends are in the military, mm-hmm. have served. You know, his point that bitcoin it can be used uh, to protect us or as a weapon where no blood is shed mm-hmm. really resonates. Um, I have a cousin who. Um, was awarded the Silver Star. Hmm. He was a sniper in Thalusia. Um, You know, that it, he came back and he's alive and um, but had to have kidney transplants, hmm. right? Because his kidneys were absolutely shot after being in a hole for 13 days. Um, went in and fatigues came out, he was all bleached white, right? The sweat oh, just wow. bleached all the color. Um, so, you know, to go back to the energy discussion, When I have no idea why Putin or any other country's leader would agree to price their oil in us dollars Mm -hmm. and then recycle that into us treasury when our government currency is based on nothing. Right. And they then become at the mercy of the 12 guys that sit and affect monetary policy. That to me makes no sense at all. Um, And, and i you know you you've talked about it, you know, but I mean this this global sense of like, "Oh my gosh, I've got to get some to protect myself, right, or global game theory mm-hmm. playing out. I mean, just from a foreign exchange point of view, why would you price commodities or or your your homegrown goods mm-hmm. in dollars when you can price in Bitcoin? Right? Just send me Bitcoin. I'll have it immediately. There's no intermediary. There's no cost, hardly. Mm-hmm. Um, what why exactly like you wouldn't yeah is really the point so um the minute that countries start adopting it for their global trade like off to the races it's 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 back to jason i mean it's hugely frustrating to me that the u.s has not seen this Mm -hmm. um i was with um one of the founders of a big bank in switzerland that offers um crypto broadly but um he is a hardcore bitcoiner and their government was cooperative Hmm. right like cooperative like yes we realize this is the future okay let's figure out how to all work together this is this only strengthens us as a nation Mm -hmm. and yet we have these these folks who i think have lost their way
1: that because They were the last to go off the gold standard, too. I'm pretty sure you said Switzerland, right? Right, yeah. So it makes sense, maybe, that they're the first to embrace hard money, a new hard money, right? Let's say. Um, fascinating to see where we're headed,
0: to say the least.
1: Game theory that is the key. I think if you really start to look at Bitcoin through that game theory lens, that's when I realized it was unstoppable. I'm like, there's it just incentivizes everyone to contribute. To the success and proliferation of its network, how do you stop that? Like everyone in the world is an individual self interested actor. Maybe they don't understand how Bitcoin benefits them, but at some point they will.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite articles is Alex Gladstein's um uh, or his interview. He talks He's talks about it a lot that Bitcoin is the Trojan horse. Yeah. Right. Because as your point, like when the number goes higher, like yeah. because number go up, freedom go up.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's a great place to stop it. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, where can people find you on the internet?
0: I'm super hard to find on the internet, <laughs> uh, for better or worse. You can find me. You can find me on Twitter. Okay. It's I think it's at Lisa underscore Huff, um, like hey. tough but with an H. Yeah. And I think I'm on LinkedIn. I'm after this weekend going to be on Noster. Are you on noster
1: not yet i'm I've accepted that it's a big deal, and I should do that now, <laughs> so it's on the list.
0: I feel so much better about myself
1: yeah go I well, I'm just I like to move slowly. I was quick to jump on the mastodon thing and then that didn't go anywhere, so oh. I decided to slow roll this one
0: I will admit i'm a I'm a late adopter, so yeah. on that scale of early adopter mid adopter late adopter, mm-hmm. I think I was the last person I know to have a blackberry, yeah um But anyway, I'm going to get on Noster. It sounds like they're having a whole lot of fun over there.
1: Yeah, sounds like a lot of the Bitcoin signals shifting over there to you.
0: Um, I will say if anybody reaches out to me on social media, I do answer everything. Um, And what I really love is when someone calls and says, I want to work in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Do you have a few minutes? I always have 15 minutes for somebody that wants to work in Bitcoin. Awesome. Absolutely set up time to talk. Because you know, as the number of miners gets on the network and, and strengthens the network as the number of people that that participate in our ecosystem. Forget the monetary value of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It, this humility that Bitcoin brings to the world and this sense of calm and hope and peace, mm-hmm. um, the more of us that join this revolution, I think um, the, 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 the the better the energy, um, the, the better we are going forward, right? You have a child, I have a child. Mm-hmm. Like we're truly building something that's a more peaceful place
1: yeah, amen for the uh, for the kids, right? We can't repeat this authoritarianism cycle anymore. Like it's time to break out of it and let people be free. So, Lisa, thanks again.
0: Thank you.